Drummers brought to you by Session Ace. Whether you're looking for high-quality in-ear monitors, high-resolution studio microphones, or any other sort of thing that you need day-to-day as a musician, either in the studio or on stage, Session Ace provides remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. Find out more at SessionAce.com. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Dial a Drummer. I'm your host, Brian Stevens, and I thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a little while since our last episode, and and I've been sitting on this one for a little while. If you haven't really gotten the thread yet, one of the common threads with every one of these episodes is there's some reason why I'm talking to this person and some reason why I want to bring this conversation to you, something very personal purposeful, very actionable, in some cases very inspiring. And I've been sitting for a while on this particular interview, more than a year. When I decided I wanted to get back into doing Dial a Drummer, this was the very first episode that I taped, as a matter of fact. And it was over the Thanksgiving holiday of uh, more than a year ago. So not this past Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before that. And I sat on this for a while because it's a very personal episode to me. It's not really, it's not my story, but it's the story of someone who I've known since basically the sixth grade. Uh, My guest for this episode is David Zettler, the drummer for a band that you probably never heard of, but you're going to be glad you did. A band called Stone Senate based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And we're going to get to their story in a second. But the reason, the reason why this interview is so important to me is because it's an incredible example of someone who's doing something that they absolutely love doing. In this case, it's playing drums. And they're doing it in a band that they love the music that they're playing. They're getting to tour the country. They're getting to make some money doing it. And and we call that living the dream. I mean, all things considered to be be able to travel the country and to be able to play for audiences of all shapes and sizes and and really bring music to the people. That's the reason why so many of us get into playing music in the first well, we get into music for the girls and then we get into the music for the the party that happens on stage, right? That's if we're being honest, <laughs> that's probably the reason I started was the girls first and then the ability to play some music in front of people. But <laughs> <laughs> but especially as we get older, the thing that I'll tell you about this band that I love so much is in an age where rock and roll is a little contrived, it's put together with uh, with stylists and it's put together with tastemakers and in focus groups. The band Stone Senate to me is the epitome of 
of a band that lives the lifestyle of the music that they play. Let me tell you a little bit about Stone Senate. This band's been together since 2012, and the first time I saw them, I got a private concert. We talked about it a little bit in the interview. I got a private concert at Smith's Old Bar in Atlanta, Georgia, on a Sunday night. It was just me and the bartenders and the band. It was the greatest thing in the world, but uh, what's been fun is to watch them grow their fan base gig by gig song by song person by person and they've gone out and done it just like rock bands have done for decades they've gone and taken the music to the people and almost every single week you can find them touring the country playing this incredible brand of rock music that's got a southern tinge. I wouldn't call it southern rock. It's just really good, aggressive rock music that's got a little southern flavor to it. Got a little bit of grits in it. Well, their drummer is is David Zettler, and I've known David since sixth grade. We, We graduated school together. We were in school band together. And subsequently, we've stayed close friends all this time. Most of the times that I'm back in my hometown, I'm going to try and look David up and we're going to have a couple of cold beers and just kind of hang out anytime that Stone Senate is playing anywhere within driving distance of Atlanta and I have the night off. You'll generally find me at a Stone Senate show. I love these guys. I've known most of the guys in this band uh, since I was a teenager. Most of them are from my hometown, even though they're based out of, of Nashville, Tennessee. And I really enjoy hanging out with David. I enjoy hanging out with the rest of the guys in the band. They're just a fun bunch of guys. They're the kind of guys you just want to sit and have a beer with and just laugh about anything and everything for hours at a time. That's generally what happens. Uh, Anytime I go and hang out with them when they're in Nashville, uh, it's a pretty regular thing for us to close down the Losers Bar and then walk back to Clint's house and just continue with, uh, with the laugh fest until the sun comes up. I really love these guys and the importance of this interview is that there's there's got to be somebody out there within the sound of my voice that you've been doing the thing that you absolutely love for a long time. And, and in our heart of hearts, we all hope to be uber famous and uber rich. And we hope that the entire world loves us and just allows us to make a whole lot of money doing what we're doing. What really happens for most of us that are that are professional musicians is that we end up in the, the music business middle class. We're just out there day after day, week after week, really slugging it out to make a living for ourselves and for our families. And we're just trying to bring our musical talents in whatever forms they take to people that love music. And my path diverged from being in bands a long time ago and being more of a hired gun. So I sort of... I envy friends of mine like David who have a band. It's like, it's almost like a street gang with instruments and they get to just get on the bus and travel the country as a gang, taking this music to audiences. And unless your name's Dave Grohl or you're in a band called the Foo Fighters, generally when you get on stage, you've got to win people over, especially if they've never heard your music. You've got to get up there and it's almost like a battle 
battle and you've got to win them fast. You got to hit them over the head with your music in a way that gets their attention, holds their attention and excites them. And that's, that's a real talent. That's a, it's a job, but it's also a skill. It's a talent that can be cultivated. These guys do. Can you tell that I really dig Stones in it a whole lot? I really do. They, uh, they've put out a few different albums over the years. Uh, Star City came out in 2016. Since then, they've had a string of singles and EPs. We're going to talk about that in the interview with David. The latest EP, Dawn, is available on all the streaming services. Run, don't walk to listen to that Dawn EP. Dusk that came out last year, excellent. It's one of my top 10 rock band releases of the last two years, I would say. So I've talked enough. Hopefully you feel my enthusiasm. And I really am excited to introduce the world, or at least the people that listen to this podcast, to my buddy, my pal, the guy who makes me laugh harder than just about anybody else in my entire life. Friends, this is David Zettler from Stone Senate. a bit of an audience for a second you do well with an audience always dude i'm a ham <laughs> you know what i mean Borner, so i've known you since the sixth grade and pretty much the way you are now is exactly the way you were in the sixth grade the more people the more zettler we get that's right <laughs> give me an audience and just push go Right. <laughs> and it compounds. It's like Jack in the Box or something. You know? <laughs> the, the more Zettlers that you have, the more entertainment factor that there is. It's, and it's exponential. It's not two Zettlers is not twice the entertainment. Two Zettlers is ten times the entertainment. That's right. Well, you saw it the last two nights, you know what I mean? Oh! <laughs> Matt, the look, there's a reason for it all right, right there. Right there. Pops. <laughs> So when I decided I was going to reboot my my drum podcast, I I was really thinking, like, who would be the perfect guest to do the kind of podcast that I really want to do? Because not that how I've podcasted before is not the way I want to do it, but there's a specific way that uh, a specific kind of conversation that I like having. And I thought, who would be the perfect person? And... At the very top of the list, I mean, there was actually no list. There was one name. That was yours. Very nice. And I thought the world also needs to share in this. Because not, not enough people know about you. Not enough people that know about you. That may be a good thing, dude. I don't know. <laughs> you know? So. Uh, Look, this is all going to be your fault, dude. You hear me? <laughs> Instigator. I'm an instigator. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> so for people that uh, – I will do a preamble to g- kind of give people some information about you and what you're doing, but let's talk about what you're doing. And who knows where this is going to go. I didn't write a single question down. I didn't really – other than just sitting and talking and doing what we do, I didn't – Off it, the cuff is the best, I think. Right. It's, it's, it's only weird because there's microphones here. Yeah. It's only different because there's microphones. I think those are going to go away at a, at a certain point, though. But so the gig that you're doing right now, Stone Senate. Yep. I pride myself in saying that uh, I remember when. <laughs> Do you remember the first time I saw your band? At Smith's, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There were three people in the room, and two of them worked there. That's right. <laughs> 
But to, to your credit, it was a Sunday night. Yeah. Was that the first time y'all played in Atlanta? I think so. And it was uh, it's the only time we played at Smith's Bar. But um, the worst part about it was having to lug everything up those rickety stairs I out know. the back. That was like a the gauntlet. Hell, it was, it was a danger zone. But we still played and had a good time, you know? Yeah. For our one <laughs> lovely guest. No, it, it, was, it was wonderful for me because it was like – I felt rich all of a sudden. I was like, I'm so rich, I can rent this whole place out and hire a band. And it uh, costs you nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was the best part. Hell yeah. <laughs> I might, might have bought a couple of beers. That was about it. <laughs> and I think we picked those up too, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, but put it, was, it on our tab. <laughs> but it was, um, it was definitely one of those things where at, at the time, I thought, how is it that I hadn't already heard this band, and why aren't more people here? Well, I mean, you know, any time, as you know this too, being a player, you know, um, you got to start from ground zero and work up, yeah. you know? So it's like, and we've played in Atlanta a couple times, which you've been, like, to the Dogwood Festival. Yeah. Like, um, and I think that may be the only other times we've played in or around Atlanta was at those festival things. Sure. But, you know, it's just like, if nobody knows who you are, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of hit or miss when you start out, sure. you know. But um, how did you get in this band? Well, the band's based out of Nashville. So my brother Paul, who plays bass with us, was living in Nashville at the time. And it's kind of funny because he's never been one to like answer an ad or something like, you know, and uh, whatever the paper thing it was. But it was like a, an ad and the thing, like, bass player needed, blah, blah, blah. So he called the guy up and joined the band. And a couple of years later, they had a drummer. He fell out, and he asked me if I wanted to join. But at the time, I was like, oh, I can't do it. And then so they got another drummer for a little while. He fizzled out. But then after that time, I was free to move about, whatever. And so I went up and just sat in and played, and it was a done deal, like, yeah. you know. So, and and even since you saw us in at Smith's, you know we had the two original guitar players. Both of those guys are gone now. We got two new guys yep. like playing with us. Like you know, both local guys from around here, which is kind of funny because we've all played together for years and years together. You know, so it just kind of made sense. Well, yeah, it's it to think of it as an. I don't necessarily think of it as a Nashville band because yeah. I know the inside track on the fact that. Everybody in the band is from right around where we're sitting right yeah, now. Yeah, it's kind of funny how it all played out, like yeah. you know that way. But you know, it's kind of kind of crazy. And there wasn't there wasn't the design or the intent. <laughs> no, it just it just happened. I mean, I, we were actually here at this little barbecue joint here in town at Squealers one night, and Clint messaged me, and he's like, "Hey, do you think James would want to join the band?" I was like, "Well, I don't know, dude. Let me ask him. He's right here." <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> And then we got him in the band. Then, like, you know, one of the other guitar players ended up having to quit. And so we got another guy from around here, Ted Hennington. And yeah. he's, he's that's as it is now. Which and that's the best it's ever been right now. Right. Ted goes back almost as far as I've known James. Because I think I've known James since I was about 17, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I knew yeah. who James was. But to actually get to know him, yeah, was I was about 17. And Ted wasn't too far behind in that 
click of people because definitely with guitar players around here, just like with drummers, everybody yeah. sort of knows each other. Yeah. And we, you know, back in that, back in the day, we used to just hang at each other's houses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or or everybody would congregate in Anthony's house. Yeah. Because between, <laughs> that between Casa de Zettler <laughs> and K. John's oh, house, yeah. that was probably the two places where you could uh, be cool. <laughs> Kay Johns was a cool lady. For sure, for sure. She was awesome. So tell me, as far as working with this group of people, how is this band different than the one that you joined? Uh, well, not to put anybody else down, but like, because I'm not, because it's just different. Everybody's different. But the musicianship is better, right, right you know? Um, and the way that we all click together, because, you know, we've all played in hundreds of bands some kind of configuration over the years right and it's like um some people you get on good with and some people you don't it's funny of course like having my brother play bass in the band is a damn joy like you know i mean as a brother rhythm section is like we're innately in tune with one another right And, and even james and i as we've played together so long you know, I, I listen a lot to what he's doing. So yeah. when he's picking out something, I'm trying to mimic him with my hand, sure. you know, or something. And and he does the same, like you know. And sometimes we just hit it together, and it's right. like we look at each other like, "Damn, did that just happen?" <laughs> like you know, it's like we couldn't have planned that, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just you know, when you find the right mix, you know, I mean, it, it just works, you know, and and it works perfectly with everybody who's in there now. There's two things in in for me producing bands, especially younger bands. Now this isn't a young band. This is no, a seasoned band. Yeah. But but especially with young bands, the one thing that I have always told them is one of the things that you can't fake, that you can't really conjure up is time. Yep. It's something about spending time with the same people and not just playing music, just living life and, oh, yeah. and being around each other. And that's an, uh, that's another amazing thing for all of us because we've known each other for so long. We most of us know each other's quirks and our stupid little innuendos and stuff. Like you know, hey man, uh, <laughs> look, look, look. You know, but uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but like we travel a lot together, you know, and it's like, and and a lot of people ask us that, you know, how do y'all get along? It's like, hell, we get along great. You know, but but we're not twenty something, like yeah. you know, and we're you know, there's things that we probably all did in other bands younger, stupid stuff that you do. You know, we we don't really do that per se, like you know, because we're all older and maybe a little more seasoned, you know. But uh, so we don't let any of that kind of stupid stuff get in the way, sure. like you know. And if, if there's arguments in time, of course, like you know, I mean, I mean, any relationship's gonna have its ups and downs, sure, like you know, but. For the most part, they're small and you know, and just no big deal. The only the only thing that I wish that we had with this band because we're all spaced out, you know, mm-hmm. we don't really get a lot of the time to get together and just be together and play. Right? Like you know, I mean, like when we play out, that's you know, obviously, but we'll sometimes set up at times like, hey, we need to go up and. Let's just rehearse some stuff, work on something new. And we end up like, you know, going down to Loser's Bar, never setting up the equipment, talking about something, and then (laughs) just go home. You know, but. But that's as important as anything to when you're 
thinking of, especially with original music, because if the songs come from a place where you've been, that means you had to go. Yeah. And part of the going is like what you're talking about, hitting, not rehearsing, not saying this isn't this isn't advocating not rehearsing with your band. Yeah. But but there's definitely I, I think Peter Erskine told me a story one time about his audition with Joe Zawinul. He said that he yeah you know, he spent a couple of weeks trying to learn all this music and really getting to know it, and they get in the room with Zawinul and they play for like maybe ten minutes. Yeah. And then Zawinul tells him, "Well, let's go have lunch." And they do this day after day after day, and finally he he pulls him aside. He goes, you know, I really worked on this music a lot, and I'd like to rehearse it with you guys so that I'm comfortable. And Zawano goes, I knew everything I needed to know in the first 10 minutes yeah. that you worked on this. I need to know who you are. That's going to take care of the rest of it. It makes a big difference, you know. That's a that's an interesting point, you know, because, like, Mainly, and I've played with a lot of people over the years, as you have too, you know, and it's like, and like I was talking about, you know, when you find somebody that you get along good with, it's like, you know, living together, you know, is an important thing, yeah. you know, I mean, and if you're going to be, you know, trying to create something or, you know, whatever, write a new song, whatever, you you got to, you got to have some kind of camaraderie thing sure. with the person that you're doing it with, like, you know, yeah. and, and we all get along great. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, like I said, there's ups and downs and crap, but it's nothing major. Right. Like, you know, it's never nothing major. And it's like, um, we, that's what I was kind of saying when we go up, we need to rehearse. Like, we enjoy hanging out with each other so much sometimes that, like, the music's just kind of secondary. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll play. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, we just, I, I think it's important, like, to have a good, foundation with each other like, right. you know as it is in any relationship sure. you know i mean and you like to have you know you got to have fun times and there's serious times and you know all that kind of crap you know but as long as you get along good the rest is going to fall into place one of the other the other component of that that i talk with bands about and, and it's kind of a slippery slope i have to be careful with we talk about time you can't mm -hmm. substitute you can't fake the time when it comes to putting together together a special thing the other part of it is especially when we're talking about rock and roll and i think it's part of one of the problems with rock and roll these days corporate rock yeah is that there has to be a certain amount of dangerousness that's not a word sure it is <laughs> it is now i like it but there has i mean you think about think about the bands that we grew up on that were great bands mm-hmm that were the ones that were new in in our era when we were kids, like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that was a dangerous band. There was dangerous behavior going on outside of the music. Well, it's a lot of the attitude, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, what is it that Keith Richards said at one time? You know, somebody was asking about a certain band, and he's like, "Yeah, man, they rock." He said, "But it needs a little roll." Yeah. You know, and like a lot of people go like, well, I don't understand. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I mean, you can go back and listen to recordings of Chuck Berry and all this stuff like that shit's not perfect. Right. You know, and it doesn't have to be. It shouldn't be. No. I mean, you know, and like um, some people are stickler for that kind of stuff. I'm like, I mean, I get it. You want it to be, you know, somewhere along the, the lines, but, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people when I there's not too much new music that I hear. 
that really floats my boat very much. I mean, there's just not. Like, right. you know, not that it's not out there. It's just that I, I don't hear it. But, like, a lot of the new stuff that's popular, you know, I just – I don't get it much, you know. Right. But it's like – but that's just me. Like, you know, I mean – you know, where the Motley Crues of the world, or even the Nirvana, like, you know, sure. I mean, I mean, ever since, like, that kind of era, there's not really been a really big band. I mean, right. the Foo Fighters came out of that, I guess you could say. And yeah, yeah. There's a handful of other ones, but when you think about, like, classic music, like, you know, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, The Stones, right. like, you know, it's like, I I don't know, there's, there's not any of those bands anymore. Right. You know, and... And there's a problem. There's obviously some reasons for that. You know, the mechanism for when you go sign a record deal and get a million bucks up front, make a record, and go out. You know, it's not there anymore. Like you know, because of the technology and all that stuff. So, and I kind of hate that because you, you know, it's uh, I guess a lot of bands out there now. Like you know, it's just corporate rock, like you say. And I just think it's all kind of watered down. There's a formula that they all use, and that's it. Like you know, and I'm like, well, when your lead singer has a personal trainer and a personal chef, and yeah. he eats tofu, and you know, the only thing that he drinks is water that came from an artesian spring. There, there's something that I wouldn't be in that guy's band. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> But, I mean, you think about it, I mean, because everything's got a stylus associated with it. Yeah. And then they also have to, it's, it's almost like rock and roll by committee. And then they have to decide these different things. Well, there's none of that happening in Stone Senate. It's, it's about as organic a rock band as you could ever want. Yeah. Because it really is just people being people. Well, like I said, we get along good, and that's a big thing. And then, like, when we play, we... Pay attention, you know. Yeah. You pay attention to what each other's doing, and we know our limitations for what we do and what we don't, you know. Right. And we know what we like, you know. I mean, like James, one of our guitar players, you know, has said he's like, we all draw from like a deep well of various stuff. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I love this stuff that maybe you don't like, and you like this stuff maybe I don't like. But when you kind of get it all together, like you know, it meshes and it comes out, you know, with what we do. Like, yeah. You know, and it's uh. It is organic in that way, you know, which which makes it good. It's not watered down, in my opinion. And it's kind of funny because everybody's like, I don't necessarily consider us a southern rock band, but I guess that's what everybody says we are. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, we are from the south, but I always got, man, we're just a rock band, you know. And people are like, man, we love southern rock. We love you guys. I was like, oh. Well, I guess we're Southern, right? I mean, I, don't, I, I was just, we're try, I'm trying to be Van Halen. Right. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Let's since it's a drum podcast, we have to talk about drums. I mean, it's sort of a prerequisite at some point. We have to talk about drums. All right. So let's go back to seventh grade. Oh my let's go God. back to Magnolia Middle School. Damn it, man! <laughs> so I think I burned those brain cells. I'm not sure if I remember. <laughs> so think back to starting to play drums in the school band, all the way up through high school, being in the marching band. How important was that for you in the drummer that you are now? Well, it's kind of funny because I come from a large family and, uh, you know, there's 10 siblings, including myself and everybody, I'm number seven in that line. So everybody ahead of me had joined band. Yep. So I was like, your brother well, was a drummer. Yeah. One of my older brothers was a drummer and I was like, well, it just makes sense. I want to join the band. And you know, when you first join the school band, they, they ask you what you want to play, you know? And then they try you out for stuff. So my first choice was not actually drums. 
It was my second choice. My first choice was to play the saxophone. Get out of town. Yeah, but and and the reason why is because when I was a kid, I just remember seeing whatever movie or something. There's some dude in New York playing his sax out on the sidewalk yeah. with the steam coming out of the gutter. I was like, I want to be that guy. Like you know, <laughs> that looks cool. And they were like, Look, man, your arms sure don't work. I was like, Well, damn. I said, Well, I guess I'll play drums in. Like you know, I can beat on shit. Like you know, and yeah, and ever since then, it's like you know you. I never would have known rudiments without that experience, yeah. like you know, and um, and reading music, even you know, right. kind of stuff, like you know. But uh, yeah, it set me on the path, and I, I I actually didn't get my first set of drums till I was twenty years old, like you know, and I could play because my brother had drums. I mean, I could sit down and do do debts, do do debts. Right, right. You know, I had my uh, mechanics already in place, like you know, not to a great extent but you know i i could uh i wouldn't sit here and go da, 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 you know what right, i mean right right you could play something that the, sounded the like word. it belonged in a song yeah so i mean when i got my first set of drums it's like i could sit out and play not very good but i could play i didn't have to take you know however much time it took me to get to that point because sure. i already did that like you know right but since then like man i would incorporate when i started practicing a lot back then i would incorporate rudiments into my Playing, like, you know, around the toms and some on the cymbals and, you know, just whatever it was. And with my feet and, you know, making everything go back and forth, yeah. like, you know. And that was a very frustrating time, but a very good learning experience, you know. Like, and, and it's why I can do what I do today. Like, right. you know, like to a certain extent, you know, because I put in all that time back then, sure. you know, to, to do that stuff. And all the crap I was listening to as well. Like, you know, I wanted to push myself forward and be like... I can be better than this. You know, I can be better than this. And sure. I kind of burned myself up in a bad way with music because, like, I love certain bands, but it's like I don't necessarily want to listen to them because it's it's already something that I've already heard, kind of. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure. You know, And it's not knocking those bands. Right, like, right, you know, right. it's just like it just doesn't do anything for me in yeah. my ears. Like, you know. What sort of bands, like when you were starting out and you got your drum set, what were the sort of bands that you were playing along with or you were trying to mimic? Well, the main thing I really wanted to do was be able to play the drum licks note for note on Van Halen 1 and 2. That's a good choice. You know? Good start. And so I, I burned that into my brain. And when I started playing and practicing a lot, um, I listened to that first Pearl Jam record a lot, yep. you know, and yep. did that. And then I got into the doors, like, you know, and then, you know, I got to a point where it was kind of like, um, okay, I can do this stuff, like, but I want to do more. And then somebody's like, hey, man, you ever heard of this band Fish? I was like, who? Like, yeah, and then and heard them, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I want to, like, listen to this. Because <laughs> that's like when you start feeling retarded trying to do these things, yeah. like, you know. But, uh Got into stuff like that, like, you know, and, and a lot of these other jam bands and a lot of jazz stuff, like, you know, because it's like, because it was something constantly pushing me, yeah. you know, put like trying to get better, like, you know, to, you know, better as much as I can, like, you know, like I said, it was a very frustrating time. <laughs> so if you had to, if you had to distill the way you play now, if you had to name three people that you took the best bits of, and that's who you are now. Who would be the, the three? Tommy Lee, for sure. Yeah. Um, I can see that. John Bonham. 
and probably John Fishman. Yeah. Either John Fishman or Billy Martin from okay. Besky Martin and Wood. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, because yeah. I sometimes, I, I just play a four piece kit, you know, and I've seen MMW several times. And every time I sit down, like, again, this is one of the frustrating parts, but I'm like, what would Billy Martin do? Yeah. Cause I and then when I play, I go like, "This sounds nothing like what Billy Martin would do." But like, you know, it's like, but you try and channel that stuff, like you know, to try and get it to come out some right. way, like you know. And a lot of what we do, you know, like I was saying with with our band Stone Senate, yeah, it doesn't necessarily call for that. Right. But there's moments where you can right. like you know get in a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there, you yeah, know, which makes it fun. The record, the first record you made with Stone Senate was the Star City. No, we we just called the first one just number one. Okay, and uh, we recorded that up in Nashville. Actually, Vance Powell produced that, you know, and um, that was my first. Like, I'd been in a couple studios with other bands years ago, but nothing really like on a professional level. You know, so we walk in the control room, meeting him, and he's got a Grammy sitting over on the thing. Yeah, I was like, "It's a big name." Okay, damn, like you know, like this, this is guess pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but like, but we got in. I think we, I mean, I think there's seven, seven or eight songs on that first record, mm-hmm. and um, I think we knocked them all out in like two days or something right. like that. You know, just getting kind of laid all the basic tracks and you know everything else. Right. You know. And that, and that was cool, you know. Reese Winans played on that record oh, yeah. and on keyboards and crap, and so that was pretty. That was pretty awesome, you know. But that one, that was a good experience with him. Then when, the Star City one was the second one we did, and that one was really fun because we recorded it. Clint's got a our singer; he's got a studio in his basement, you know, and um, and so we did it there, like yeah. So it's like our stuff was set up we'd come and go as we please sure. we kind of took our time with it but we did it in, in a pretty quick fashion you know and right, right. Kenny Olsen produced that one you know yeah he played with Kid Rock and stuff and that was a that was a that was a really fun experience like you know just because you're at home you know yeah. what I mean it's like it, there's no pressure we're not sure. paying for this like you know like kind of stuff it doesn't have to be done today right. like you know what I mean so let's go to losers <laughs> have a few drinks like you know and like <laughs> Not play like I'm, you know. This is a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our drinking band has a music problem. <laughs> so, what was the difference? Let's say working with Vance versus working with Kenny. What, what was the difference between those two guys in that process? Well, Vance was real was real laid back, like you know, and. Uh, it was almost like you're just hanging out with a buddy, like, yeah. you know, kind of thing. It's like, um, you know, and he made everything real easy. Now, with Kenny, it was literally hanging out with a buddy, like, you know, and just, uh, you know, just having a good time all the time while we were there, like, yeah. you know. And so it's like, it didn't seem like work, right. you know what I mean, right. like kind of thing, because it was just, it was real laid back, even more so than the first one. Now, the last, you know, this last recording that we just did, um, we just released an EP. We did 13 songs. And, you know, the state of the music business is whatever it's in. So, like, you always want to be, I guess, relevant or try to be relevant. Sure. So, like, what we did, we released a five-song EP, I think in October or something. Yeah. And then we got another one that's coming out of five more songs, like in 
January, I think, is supposed to be released. And then sometime middle of next year, we'll release the 13 together. Like, you know, so it's like two EPs, and then, like, you buy the record, get three more songs. Right. Kind of an odd way to do it, I guess. But, like, you know, it's like it works for today's standards. And, like, so with this last one we did, we worked with Toby Wright. Mm -hmm. You know, his accolades are just too many to name like you know but like you know he when we first met him i was like i was pretty nervous yeah. like you know because it's like this dude's serious <laughs> like i mean this guy's this guy's got like lots of grammys lots of great bands he's produced yeah. like and i'm like shit i was like what are you doing working with us like you know <laughs> and uh so we first came in you know meeting him you know our first thing was like talking to him about like hey what was Alice in Chains like you know, how was Lane Staley like you know he's like oh you know they were great when they weren't fucked up like you know it's how <laughs> yeah. he sounds like oh okay like you know and, and then he told us some other wild stories about some other bands I was yeah. like and he ended up being like super cool you know and then so we did like pre-production stuff with the songs that we had at Clint's you know yeah and then we recorded in Nashville again and we blocked out like two weeks like you know we did Six songs in May, then seven songs in like September or something like that. Yeah. And it was like, you know, working with him was such a great thing because, like, you know, with the pre production stuff, you knocked everything out of the way. And it's like, as soon as you went in, you knew exactly what you're going to do, you know, right. exactly how it's going to go. You know, there's no, you know, <laughs> kicking around and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we walked in, we just knocked the shit out, like, you right. know, like in a couple of days, right. you know, and it's, and it made it real easy. And he, he made it real easy. Like, you know, so my worry at first is like, damn this guy, like, you know, cause of who he is. Yeah. But it ended up being like, man, this guy, cause of who he is. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made yeah. everything great. Like, you know, so like, yeah, yeah it, it was a great, great process. Like, you know, with him, Vance was cool. He, you know, he's, you know, just, Real laid back. Kenny was cool just as we were having fun and partying the whole time. Sure. Toby was awesome because it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it was the most comfortable I've ever been. You know, when you're sitting there, you know, as a drummer, like, you know, I don't play to a click track live. Like, you know, in the studio, you put everything to a click. And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm sitting there going like, oh, God, oh, God. Like, you know, kind of thing. You know, it's like, yeah, you're nailing it, but whatever. And I go like, it just don't feel right. You know, so one song, he's like, we're sitting there playing half of it. And he's like, and he cuts it off. And I'm like. <laughs> he, he's like, look, keep going, just keep going. So I'm like, look, and so I'm playing. And then you go like, okay, I'm kind of loose now. And then he cuts cuts it back up. I'm still right on it. So I'm like, well, shit, you know, like. Why are we using this so he's thing? like, look, he's like, he's like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, that the hell with that thing. That's yeah. it gets back to that thing I was talking about, Keith Richards. It's got to rock and roll. Yeah, you know, and and ever since like then, I I've gone back and like listened to some lot of old music that I grew up on. And I'll put the metronome on it. Yep. None of that shit is perfect. No. None of it. Charlie White, <laughs> you know, Charlie White speeds up. He does. <laughs> so does Alex Van Halen. <laughs> Just saying. There, there's something, something to that when you don't notice the time because it feels so good. It's like it's more important that it feels good. Yeah. And then yeah, if it's a little faster, it's a little faster. It's all right. You know, I mean, it's all right. I, I, I wouldn't want anything to be like that perfect because, right. you know, was when, and I guess that's kind of what I was saying earlier about with bands nowadays, corporate rock, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like everything is a little too polished, you know, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like everything's just too damn perfect. I mean, that's great. 
Don't get me wrong, but it's like sometimes that stuff sounds that way. Yeah. You know, and it's not that rock and roll, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just rock, you right, know. It's right. like it needs a little, it needs to breathe a little. Of course. Know? So was Toby involved from the pre-production stage, like he was with you guys in the rehearsal room or at Clint's place, actually going through tunes with you and all yeah, that? Yeah, every song that, primarily every song that we had that we've done on the, on these last EPs and which will be the, the whole record, um, everything changed. Like, I mean, there's some songs where it's like, you know, ah, we got these songs, they're done. And he's like, no, they're not. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, yes, they are, man. He's like, no, they're not. Like, you know, then the verse became the chorus and the chorus became the verse. And it's like, you know, and we're like, damn, I guess this guy really does know what he's talking about. Like, you know, it's a good thing we got him around. Like, you know, <laughs> but yeah, he made, like, and like I said, it was a great experience with him and he made everything just smooth you know and it, and it was a great had, experience had you ever had that before as a band had you ever heard somebody come in and just had you had someone that said um either one that's not good enough or two yeah this belongs here but this could really use moving no over here. no i mean no this is the first time at, with this band anyway that we had any kind of pre-production whatsoever like you know when we went and did the thing with vance we rented the studio that he was working in and Came in, set our stuff up, got sounds, and then just went through the songs. Is it, he was you just know, capturing it, what was happening. Yeah, he's like, you know, he he's this guy, he's the producer, he's just going to produce this, whatever. And so, like, you know, what do you got? Let me hear. All right, go for it, you know? Yeah. Same kind of thing with, with uh, Kenny, you know, when we did the second record. It was kind of along the same lines. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we already had songs, you know, so it's like, might when it came down to guitar work, they might have changed some stuff around, but the basic gist yeah. of the songs were just there. With Toby, like we were with him for a week every day before we went into the studio each time, you know. So he, he, each song, he's like, "Okay, what do you got?" And he's like, "It's it's just not there," oh, you know. He's like, "It's just not there." He's, I'm like, "Well, damn, we thought it was finished." He's like, "It hadn't even begun." <laughs> like, you know, he's like, "Look, you some bitches need to go back to square one with this one." And the thing is, like, every time he said it, he was right. Yeah, you know, and it made everything way better. How did know? everybody take that? Did they all take it? Did everybody had a different take on that, or did everybody just? I think everybody it? was kind of the same because, like, I think everybody had the same kind of idea. What I was saying, like, you know, like, shit, we're working with Toby Wright. You know, everybody was yeah. pretty nervous because of who he is. Like, you know, it's like meeting the president or something. Yeah. You know, and it's like you're gonna be a little nervous, but then you know when he goes and he makes you totally comfortable and. It's like, look, I'm just one of you dudes. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just getting the best out of you that I possibly can, you know. And and then it was, it was, it wasn't no ill willed shit, like you know. Yeah. And, and everything, even when we got into the studio, when we try, you know, we basically had everything ready. Like, you know, like yeah. I said, we went through this stuff. And then he was like, "Hey, why don't you put some cowbell on that thing or something?" You know, I said, "All right, hell, let's try it." You know, like, yeah. and and he was up for anything, like. And whether it worked or not, it's like, fuck it, let's try it. Like, you know, yeah. and, and he made, it was real comfortable. Like, you know, he just, he, and for him to be who he is, I go like, damn, I wonder if he was like this with these other guys, you know, which is yeah. like when I first asked him, like, how does that change? He's like, those guys are always fucking hammered. Like, you know, it's like, are hey, you going to sing today? You're going to shoot that shit in your arm. But, like, you know, like kind of yeah. thing. I was like, all right, well, we don't do that. Like, you know, but like, 
you know, so it's like I, it was probably as much of a breeze for him, mm-hmm. you know, as yeah. it was for us. Like, sure. you know, this kind of thing. And and we still like keep up with him on a regular basis right. all the time. Like, you know, messaging back and forth. Like, yeah. Hey, man, what are you doing? Like, you know, you know, so it's it worked out really good. So was was there anything because you'd been in the studio a couple of times before? Hey, puppy dog. Because you'd been in the studio a couple of times before. Was this easier or harder to make this record for you in, in cutting your drum tracks? Mm, probably easier just because of, like I said, the pre-production stuff was right. so um, was already done. We knew exactly what we were going to do, sure. you know. And, of course, the, the ambience and the feel, like, you know, we, we recorded in that sound emporium yep. in Nashville. Yep. And yep. it's like, you know... I mean, when we first got in there, you know, the room we were in is like the room where Allison Krauss and Robert Plant cut that yeah. Raising Sand yep. record. And I was going like, damn, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, and all the people who, and not to mention when we, the first day we get there, like, you know, uh, Joe Bonamassa, Eric Gales, and Keb Moe are all sitting outside recording in the other studio. Oh, I'm no. like, hey, like, Keb Moe comes up while I'm playing. He's like, give me two thumbs up. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that's pretty cool. That guy's going, hey, man, you're kicking ass. Like, you know, I'm like, All right, I guess I am. Like, you Come know. Come up I'm kicking ass, yeah, y'all. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it was a little bit easier just because we, we were ready. Right. You know, we were right. really prepared for it, like, you know. And so, so it made it a lot easier, you know. Yeah. Was there anything particular that was – where you had to circle the block a few times before you felt like I really got this. Yes, there's one song that we do um, called "Against the Light," mm-hmm. and it's uh, just a straight four-four rocker, but it goes into this three-four time change in the middle. Yeah, and because I was doing everything, we were all doing everything to a click track. You know, a couple of times we played it through, like you know, the track was still going four-four, like you know. Yeah. So I could every this every other beat like you know kind of thing you'd have to go like you know and a couple of times I was like okay but then a couple of times it's like I, it started confusing me you know like going from four four to three four and keeping on the four four yeah. <laughs> like yeah, trying to on. keep it going you know so he Toby actually went in and in that section created a three oh, okay. four click that goes like you know. You know, like so, and so, so, it made so it easy. And, then, and like as soon as he did that, one one time through. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that was genius, dude. Like he's like, Hey man, I'm Toby Wright. You know, I was like, I know, dude. I'm like, great. That's why I'm in this seat and you're in that seat. <laughs> damn it, man. But yeah, that that was that was kind of the only one. Like, yeah. you know, and then like I was telling you last night, um, Oh, the dead and the dying song. That's that's the one I listen to. I go like, damn it, because there's a pause in the end. Yeah, and it needs a big, you know. And we didn't have it, you know. We didn't have it there, and it's still not there. But like, you know, like when we played it, you're not bitter about that at all. It's one of those things. I'm sure everybody does it, but I go back and listen to like, damn, that you know, that's the only thing I don't hear but hear on that song. Right, right, right. And after we got, even Toby's like, hey, try and do this thing. And like, whatever I was trying to do, it wasn't fitting. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. You know, so we just didn't go back. But now every time I listen to it, I go like, 
damn, it really needs that there. Like, you know, it's like, can you paste in a dig it? Yeah, can we like, can we copy and paste that thing in there? Like, you know, just damn it. But that's kind of the only one, like, you know, and that, that other song just switching the tempo, you know, but yeah. we figured it out, and as soon as we did, it was great. Other than that, man, hell, you know, we just went in. I think the first time we laid the drums and bass part in two days, we yeah. did four songs the first day, two songs the next day, then we were done for the week, you know, while they did guitars and crap. And then the next time, I think we did it in two days again, yeah. like, you know, just, uh, but but that's also, you know, being that prepared, right? You know? I mean, we knew what we were gonna do, yeah. you know. So it's like, uh, so it made it easy, you know. Yeah. But at, we might have gone through, at the most, maybe five takes of a song, maybe like you okay. know of each one. I mean, you didn't wear it out. No, and I, and I think, and a couple of times, most of the, like with those, we're just going like, hey, just play through it, get it, like yeah. you know, and then go like, okay, now let's record it, like you know. You know, kind of thing, yeah, like, you yeah, know, you're yeah, warmed totally. up, like, you know, you're doing it, let's go do it, like, you know, yeah, yeah. and so, so it was probably maybe five takes of a song is right. the most that we did, like, you know, and, and that wasn't because this one wasn't good, it's just like, you know, just get loose and get ready and let's sure. do it, you know, right, so. So there's going to be a lot of drummers that are, they're going to be screaming in the microphone to ask, ask him what he played on, like, did you use... Because it's Nashville, and yeah. Nashville is Nashville, did you use your drums and cymbals? Did you use a rental kit? What, what use, was the setup? I use all my drums. Um, I play a Yamaha Oak Custom kit. Yep. So I used it. We took off the front bass drum head, you know, yep. and uh, had it bare. And other than that, I rented a China boy because I don't have one, and I used... Good buddy of mine gave me a pork pie snare drum. Ah. I won't mention his name, Brian Stevens. <laughs> and uh, I used that on damn near everything, but maybe three songs, which I had a Black Beauty. Oh, and yeah. uh, one other song we tried. I've got a Pearl Free Float and snare, and we tried it, but we did a couple takes of the song. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm not sure if that one was the final one we did because then we used the Black Beauty on it and, and recorded it a couple times. Yeah. And I'm not really sure which one he use as a final take like right. you know but uh but yeah and i um my symbols are uh all my symbols are zildjian k's across the board right. you know i just love those things nice the, and warm uh the dark custom crashes are the shit yeah you know they're just badass you know we need to see about getting you an endorsement then see we'd send them well, this it's little like, clip. it's like i was telling you last night it's like i'll be the only drummer who's not endorsed by any drum stuff i'll be like endorsed by like coors beer <laughs> Uh, camel cigarettes <laughs> and Vans tennis shoes. There you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> A very diverse portfolio oh, of hell endorsements. Yeah, hell yeah. I can drink, David smoke, Zettler and the... run real fast. You know what I mean? It's a Zettler lifestyle brand. That's oh, what it yeah. is. That's oh, too funny. We got to see about getting Paul to come sit down and talk with us while we talk. PZ. PZ, come on, get up into this conversation, dude. Yeah, we have to talk about drums and bass and brothers. Paul. Paul. Come get up in this conversation. <laughs> Grab a seat, man. 
Grab one of them chairs and come sit down with us. Somebody have a problem? For a change, it wasn't me. <laughs> That's right. We'll just put that in the middle. Change. <laughs> we'll just stick that in the middle of y'all. I'll stick this in the middle. So what are all the things you want to fix about your brother's playing? <laughs> first, of, first of all, I want to say I overheard some of the conversation. I wanted everybody to know he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? I love it. <laughs> so, let's talk about playing bass with him. Doesn't suck, right? No, we kind of got a, you know, just a natural thing through years of playing together. And I'm a real stickler for that bass drums connection anyway. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of inherent in the way I do things, hear things. And as long as that's on, you know, <laughs> I'm good to go. But So are there any times when y'all are playing where one of you looks at the other and goes, that's not right? Uh, yeah, he's usually looking all at All the me. time. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you have on this podcast? <laughs> at, at maybe every gig we play. <laughs> no, every sometimes. Of every song. <laughs> For some strange reason, you know, it's always about the third set. Yeah. In, in a bar setting. I, I notice a, That's a, a pattern. I, I know a difference in the timing. Everything either gets real fast or real slow. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, we all, everybody in the whole band, we kind of listen out for each other, you know. Yeah. And every, you just kind of innately know if it's something's off, you know. Yep. It does happen, though, so. That's part of it, dude. Yeah. That's why they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> so do y'all ever talk about the parts that you're playing? Like, hey, I'm going to do this. You should do this. Or I think I'm going to change my thing to this. Or how much do y'all have a dialogue about that? And how much of it just happens? Well, like when we did that recording that y'all were talking about, we you do kind of want to have things kind of ironed out. you know. Sure. And then the producer helps throw out ideas and you just – you know, take it from there, but you basically have an idea, but the, the things I love is like, I just never tell him about it. No. <laughs> say, say we'll be playing on a gig and like Leonard Skinner was great about this. They're yeah. one of the best rhythm sections of all yeah, time. Of course. Tom runs or something like one time he did a Tom run and I did a, did right with it. Never planned out. And I said, that's the kind of the stuff that's really, yeah. but that comes from just playing together and me and David and James, our guitar player, have played together for eons. Yeah. You know, and it's you, you just it's like it's like conversation with someone you know. It's like but, you get used to certain little things, and I almost sometimes you know what they're gonna do here. Yeah, or you know. So this yeah, that's what I was talking about with James. Like some when we play, like I listen to a lot of his right hand, and I try and mimic a lot of his right hand what he's doing. And sometimes you know he'll look over me and be like, "Damn, did we just do that?" It's like, "Hell yeah, we did." Like, you know, I don't know how, but it worked. It worked. <laughs> so, how much time did you guys spend together before this band playing? Or is this the most concentrated time that you've had playing together? Well, no, like I said earlier, me and David are brothers, of course. We've been playing together our whole lives. Sure. 
you know, and uh, and as well as one of the, James, the other guitar player. But uh, I've been playing with Clint since 2009. Right. Right. You know, so as far as like, well, three fifths of the band, you know, we we've been playing together since the beginning. Yeah, you know, it just kind of worked out how we're all back in the same band together. So right. the Beatles inspired us, like you know, when they were still together to put a band together. <laughs> but we're still like twenty six. <laughs> so let's talk about playing rock and roll at your age now versus when you were in your twenties. Arthritis hurts, dude. <laughs> well, it gets a lot harder when you're thirty four. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I got this great story I got to tell you. I don't, okay. Yeah, I didn't hear y'all what you said earlier, so I don't know. We were doing this this radio show up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm-hmm. and it was Acoustic Cafe. It's a syndicated show, like 100 different stations and all this. It wasn't live, so. But anyway, at one point, the guy was obviously alluding to the fact that we're a little bit older, you know, and, and he said, I was reading the liner notes on our previous album. He said, you know, y'all all have families. You're thanking your wives and all this. And uh, he goes, how do you work out the family life and the road life together? Yeah. And after that interview was over, I didn't say anything. But I looked at David and I told we him later. It was right on the tip of our tongues because at that time, and this is no joke, divorced. My all my stuff that I, I owned, all my stuff that I owned was in a... <laughs> Was in a van put there by my roommate who kicked me out. And David at the time was in the middle of a divorce. Yeah. So I felt like going, there is no balance. There, there is no balance. There is no. The only balance is the downhill of me getting out of this situation. What comes out of it? Brand new songs. You know? it's like, <laughs> so that that's part part of what makes great. Great songs. Yeah, you've been around Nashville enough to know oh, yeah. that the majority of the songs that get written are written at two o'clock in the afternoon around a coffee table. Uh, you know, made by appointment. Right. But, but these songs are are different in the fact that there's a lot of life in there. Talk about how, how much experience and how do you put experience into songs, both both not just lyrically. How you play? How does it inform how you play? Well, I think you know. First off, I guess you know you basically want something. You know, if you go through this experience, whatever that may be, you know, a breakup or falling in love or whatever kind of shit. You know, everybody else or practically everybody else in the world has done the same thing. Sure. You know, it's kind of like, you know, how do you write a song that you say, look, I love you without saying I love you? You know, you want to come to some kind of middle of the road kind of deal with it. And so what you put out there is you want it to be like, as Paul always said, which is a great thing. He's like, look, when he goes, when I write songs, said. I want the garbage man and the doctor and the teacher to, to all go, look, I get it, you know? Yeah. And that's what you shoot for. Yeah. You know, well, I think that's what you should shoot for, yeah. you know? A lot of those coffee table, two o'clock in the afternoon things, in my opinion, don't get nowhere near it, but, you know. Hey, and most songwriters, hey, Richard most songwriters will tell you the initial inspiration for an idea or whatever is usually extremely personal. But then you try to find a way to make it universal. Sure. You know, to where everybody, because we all did, like you said, we all go through that, you know, but nobody really cares about your 
personal thing, but sure. if you make it accessible to everybody, you know, to where it means something to somebody else, right? You know, like kind of thing. And as far as I guess the playing, it's like you know. The one thing that I don't ever want to do, which I probably do, I know I do live just because I try stuff, but, like, you don't ever want to overdo it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, it's. I mean, you go back and listen to... Keep it simple. Yeah, I mean, keep it simple, stupid. It's like the sticker I always have on my forehead. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like my favorite <laughs> bass players are John McBeef, Fleetwood yeah. Mac, that whole rhythm oh, yeah. section. Yeah, You play for what it calls for, yeah. you know, not your ego. Right. Yeah. Well, if it calls for it, go for it. But you know, most of them do not. You know? It's a funny thing too. Like you know, when I was talking earlier, how I practice constantly, you know, wanting to get better, and it's like you know, oh, I got all these chops, I got all these chops. That don't really matter. Like you know, and even like when I started playing around, I started playing with people. It's like you found out real quick that doesn't really matter. Nobody cares about that shit. Right. You know, you can use that at some point, but it took me kind of a while to really respect the two and the four. Yeah. Like, you know, and just lay back in a groove. Right. You know, and it's like, um, and to me, listening to that stuff now, like, that's the coolest shit in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, and so you try and keep it as simple. Because, you know, if you overdo it too much, you'll lose a certain listener. You right. know what I mean? You know, if you want it to be where everybody gets this kind of thing, you, you know, you don't have to be playing, you know, 50 million miles an hour double bass stuff like you know there's a spot for that you know sure. but like you know and, we and, don't need that like, and to know. backtrack a little bit back to the songwriting the, the initial inspiration like I was saying you try to make it universal like Ronnie Van Zant, the great singer from hey, Leonard Skinner yeah. said Sweet Home Alabama was actually written about Mississippi I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sound as good in the lyric. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> sing as well. <laughs> it's, it's, it was the second set of S's that was hard to get through. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Mississippi's double hump back, hump back, <laughs> sweet home, hump back, hump back. Didn't sing good. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, if, there's a section of this where. Um, when I do interviews, I always have a section that's not in the regular podcast that's like on the Patreon channel. So, you know, you have to be a subscriber. You you get stuff that doesn't fit in the podcast. Mm -hmm. A road story would be perfect for what doesn't fit in the general tenor of everybody's going to hear this. The, it's the hardcore fans that listen to the stuff on Patreon. So you got to give me oh, some kind of road, road story. The best one is Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> what happened in Fort Worth? Well, so I, I had a friend who came out to see us, and um, we hung out like, you know, I hadn't seen him in a long time, so we hung out that night. And we were in Fort Worth for a couple of days. Yeah. So, like, so that night we went out and partied, you know, caught up on old times. I ended up staying with him and, like, uh, Come back to the room the next day, and our two guitar players were in there, and I was like, "Hey, where's like Paul and Clint and Chris?" Like, you know, it's like, man, they just left. So, and I was still feeling pretty good from the night before, like you know, and just wanting to keep it going. Yeah. And so, like, uh, so I called up Chris, our road manager guy, who's always with us, and 
And I was like, man, where are y'all at? He's like, dude, we just came down here. I was like, well, hell, I want to hang out with y'all. He's like, well, all right, I'll send you an Uber, you know. So he sends me an Uber. And the funny thing is, it was like this young Vietnamese kid, and I was his very first Uber ride. Oh, like, okay. you know, so I took pictures with the dude and everything. And he said, you know, he told him where to send him. He sent me to this place called the Urban Cowboy. He's like, look, when you get there, we're sitting out back. It's a man's so, bar. Yeah, so I pull up. It's a all man's bar, if you get what I'm saying. So I pull up, and it's like it's a brick building. There's a fence around the back. So I was like, okay, they got a back patio. So I'm taking pictures with this guy, like, first Uber drive, hell yeah. And he's like, get out of here, you gay boy. Like, you know. And I walk in the the bar, like, you know, and I'm there's like this real tall, skinny, white kid, about six, seven. I mean, bone thin, 100 yeah, pounds. Yeah. And there's two really big, heavy set black dudes sitting at the bar. Very yin and yang, like kind of thing. And I was like, hey, man, uh, where's Clinton then? And, of course, they're the only people in there. And the tall, skinny, white dude goes like, who are you looking for, honey? <laughs> and I was like, Clinton then? They're supposed to be at the back? And one of the black guys said, there's nobody in here but us. And I was like, okay, hold on a minute. So there's this back ballroom. And I go in the back ballroom. There's, like, all these, like, Frame poster of all these shredded, ripped, hot dudes on the wall, like dressed as a fireman, a cop, and all this kind of. And I'm like, those sons of bitches. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, so they sent me to like Fort Worth's greatest gay bar, and I was like, I got a few phone numbers, and like, uh, <laughs> I was like, man, y'all better get me the hell up out of here. <laughs> That's probably one of the best ones. I like, love you know, that. It was like that one actually made the rounds with some other band buddies of ours that yep. you know, they called and told it. Everybody was on the tape, but me. Like you know, <laughs> so all these other guys in other states are like, "Hey man, is he at the bar yet?" Like checking, <laughs> like they're like, "Text in. What's he doing?" Like you know, I was like, "Man, I got us a gig, dude." <laughs> that was that was pretty damn funny. That was pretty good. That's too good. I love that. Is there anything I should have talked about that we didn't talk about? No. Uh, you know, as a bass player, all I'm sitting here during this whole interview is thinking is E A E A E A. Which is actually wrong. It would be E B. Yeah. <laughs> one in the five. And, and if you heard that, even he was speeding that up a little bit. Oh. See, it goes, goes back to that rock and the roll. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we play together so well. <laughs> Yeah, how many people in your... We were all out here the other night, and everybody was singing and stuff. I mean, the whole family sings like a bunch of... Like a like a choir of birds. Uh, how many people in this family play an instrument and or sing? Well, everybody was in the band, like the school band. Yeah, we all were in the high so. school band and all that. But only three of us out of nine went kind of the rock and roll right. thing, you know. But everybody at one point or another has played... Most everybody has played something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had uh, French horn, flute, sax, Trumpet. drums, uh, trombone. You know, and then we just graduated to, if you want to call it that, or regressed <laughs> into rock and roll. I tell you what's funny, man. You know how Paul started playing bass. When I was younger, I had a, uh, and I think Joel Hamilton, of all people, like gave me a, uh, a bass, you know, and so I had a bass guitar, and I'd like, I was no good, like you know. But I just sit there and boom, boom, boom on it, you know. Yeah. 
Well, Paul had like a PV Mystic guitar, and he was like, uh, yeah, it was a wild shaped guitar, like in the 80s. that so they had oh, yeah, like, yeah. You know, star shaped guitar or some crap. And he's like, hey, man, why don't you give me that bass and I'll give you this guitar? And of course, my first initial instinct was like Eddie Van Halen. You know, I was like, shit, yeah, I'd be like Eddie Van Halen. I was like, hell yeah, take the bass. <laughs> I remember I got that guitar out, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking or not, but I plugged it up, and I was like, I don't understand why I'm not like Eddie Van Halen. Like, nothing sounds like him. Yeah. Like, and I didn't even know a chord or nothing, you know. So I was like, then I put the guitar back in the case and shoved it under the bed. And it stayed there <laughs> until I sold it. <laughs> and I was off and running. <laughs> So was that 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 was where it started for you? Well, it started for me a while before that, but I was uh, I was always wanted to be a singer, which I do sing. But back in those days, you know, you had to sing like you didn't have a pair. When I, <laughs> when I turned about fifteen or sixteen, my voice—I didn't go through the squeaky. It went, hey, mom. <laughs> and, and I wasn't familiar. I mean, I knew who Johnny Cash was, but I had nothing to kind of base it on. So I kind of yeah. thought it was a curse, you know. So, But but I knew when I was about 14, I went to this this band was actually playing. They had all these amps and drums. And I said, man, I want to be be around. This is cool, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so I just I just was going to get in where I fit in sure. no matter what. Sure. You know, just to be part of it. Right, so, right, right. But, you know, so... And now, I started drinking. No, now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now unfortunately, he's in our band. Like, you know, like, good times. So, uh, all right. So, I, uh, I've saved the 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 most controversial. I, I've saved the gotcha question for the end. All right. All right. We got through all of this, but there's one question that's looming. That's no comment. <laughs> <laughs> How do we decide that your band needs two drummers and I can get in this band? The coolest rock band in the United States right now. I said that before, Dave. <laughs> Me and Pop I'd, talked about that shit. I'd love to have two. <laughs> Me too. Me like, too. You're, you're one, you're one drummer ass. away from being the Almond Brothers. You need a keyboard. You need an organ player. You need a Greg Almond. You know, I never, I'd seen it for years and years, you know, but until David had a good buddy and very good drummer and. They went to this local drum shop in Nashville and started playing together, and I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. Because when when the two drummers are not necessarily just playing the same thing, but playing off each other. Right, right, right. I've always known drums are a musical instrument. When you see a really good drummer, it really, really makes it in your mind that it's a musical instrument. And and they were just, right then I said, I would do two drummers in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm half kidding. But uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'd love it. I, dude, I'd totally love it. Well, what? Because while you take over in the drums, like I go and I sit at the bar and listen to y'all. <laughs> drum, drum kit's just there. You hear me? Collecting dust. They're pretty drums over there. Uh, the two drummer guys are good, man. Oh, shit, I'm one of them. What the hell? What am I doing out here? <laughs> Well, if, so if people want to know more about Stone Senate and the stuff you guys are doing, what where do they need to go for that? We're everywhere: Facebook, Spotify, yeah, all the all the social media outlets, and then all the music's on all the platforms you can get it. You know, like uh, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all that kind. Of, it's on all that stuff, you know. And I think we have an online store too that you can order physical copies of 
you know, yeah. CDs and crap like that as well. Are y'all going to do vinyl or anything like that? I think with this record, we're going to. We're going to have some pressed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to get mine because I'm going to go down and get some of that, uh, get some gold spray paint and, and spray it and hang it on my wall. And it's hey, going to say presented to Paul Zeller for the sale of three albums. And have a couple of paint runs in it. Man, if they, if they won't give it to you, you give it to yourself, right? right It'll make it happen, you know what I mean? Uh, what Congratulations, you? Stones, in it. Negative 10 copies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 10 10 given back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got these sent back, dude. And we had to pay for the damn shipping. I don't know if David said this earlier, but, uh, you know, I wasn't out here. But it's, it's uh, you know, we joke around about it because we're, we're older, a little longer in the tooth, you know. So I said our first tour is going to be the Stone Senate farewell tour. <laughs> he had another good one. It's like lock up your grandmother's tour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all our all our fans, our groupies tend to be fifty plus. We we can't we don't quite get it, but we get them to take us at two in the morning. Now we go to Denny's and get that fifty five plus menu. An <laughs> AARP special. And I, I and I bitch about the turkey gravy being too cold. <laughs> My social security check isn't what it was last month. Damn it. <laughs> so just completely off topic when it comes to that like when y'all play some of the festival stuff and you play on the bill with other bands especially younger bands do they ever do they ever comment on that or is there is there something no you know it's kind of funny and, and, and you're a drummer yourself you know music has always been the great unifier you know sure. Put the, like any true musician knows there's never race issues in, in music. Right. Music is music, you know. Right. And same thing with age, I think. You know, it's just I mean it's Well the the different not. the different thing about like when we were talking about earlier, like when we grew up, you know, you had an image to go along with the sound. Right. It's not so much like that anymore. Which works in a lot of people's favors. Right. Like, you know I mean we're we're pretty damn good looking guys, like, you know, so it doesn't really matter when it comes to us. But <laughs> you know, it's it's also it's like, you know, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that go like, man, these bands are great. And then when you see them, you go like, damn, they look nothing like I would think. Right. You know? But that's not the, that's not how it is really anymore. Right. Like, you know, you don't have to be like pretty boys with your hair spiked up right. and whatever kind of stuff anymore. Well, I defy anybody to tell me that Keith Richards isn't cool. Well, there you go. You know, Dizzy Gillespie was 75 and had his soul passion. He was the coolest guy in the room. Yeah. You know, so it, right. it really, it transcends that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. Right. Which makes it a good thing for us. <laughs> that's the reason I said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I, I know for, for for me one of the reasons why I probably try and find more new old music, meaning old music that I just never came across before, is because, because so much new music. It's too polished. It's yeah. it's one of those things. Like when, when I hear when I hear a nineteen year old kid sing about heartbreak, I'm like. What do you know about heartbreak? 
Like, how about get through one divorce and almost burn through a second one? Like, tell me, I want to hear that guy tell me about heartbreak. Yeah, exactly. Because that guy probably knows a thing or two. And I might be able to walk away a little smarter than I was three but, minutes ago. Yeah, and I'll tell you, though, with YouTube, it's really cool because there's a lot of, a lot of young bands, a lot of, like, Southern-type stuff. We play with a bunch of them, you know, and it's it's on different festivals, but it's, there's a lot of young generation out there that's really rocking out and digging the old stuff. You know? Yeah. Which is, I don't necessarily old, it's good. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, compared to anything today. Right. So do you think there'd ever be another Almond Brothers or another Skinnert or? Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe but, something to compare it to, but no. those You're talking about two of the greatest bands of all time. And, and you're not even talking yeah. about like a time thing. Right. They, yeah. they were just I mean, the thing that's always blown me away about groups like any of those great groups, you know, Zeppelin, Grateful Dead, Beatles, is the fact that they all found each other. That's what's magic to me is they found each other with the same ambition, same drive, same desire. Yeah. You know, come hell or high water, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I'm sure there's a lot of them out there, but it's that wasn't in a time thing like the right. 70s, you know. Maybe how they got noticed was what was going on in the seventies. Everything was about the South and all this, but it, it's just uh, no. It's just good is good. You know, D- uh, Duke Ellington said it. He said, uh, "There's two kinds of music: good and bad." Yeah, That's it. I love it. That's, That's a it. great way for us to go out. Amen. And if there's any good music, Stone Senate's definitely in that category. I think. Well, thank you. Thank Hell you. yes, thank you, brother. Cool. Thanks for talking to me. Let's have a beer. Ah. So, friends, that's your new best friend, David Zettler, the drummer from Stone Senate. I hope you enjoyed that little conversation as much as I did. I appreciate David and his brother Paul for taking the time to sit and talk with me for a while over a little bonfire in his parents' driveway with a couple of cold ones. Uh, just two old friends catching up, having a good time. I hope you dig conversations like this. I've got another one coming for you really soon with Pat Petrillo. We're going to talk about his new record and his journey into this new phase of his career on the next episode. But for now, guys, go out there and be awesome to each other. Be awesome to yourself. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you. Thanks for listening.